Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Phil Davidson, sitting in for Ed. Phil is with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Hi, Phil. How's it going? Good morning, Ken. How are you? Yeah, thanks for coming in. Mac RC, as we like to say. That's right. Um, we got a good show for you today. Uh, it's um, We're going to talk about uh, the Teamsters, historic, historic Big contract. news there. Yep. Big huge, news. Huge. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Democratic National Convention, which is coming to Chicago, and the labor peace deal that uh, the, the the unions negotiated, right? Yep. Um, Handshake deal. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to go back to the actors and, and the writers and talk about that a little bit as well. Um, but before we start, I saw something, Phil. That came. I think it came from. It, I know it came from your union. As a matter of fact, you probably wrote it, and that was. Uh, you know, given the the terrible, terrible heat that we've had here in the Midwest, it was a reminder to hydrate your, to your members to hydrate, right? And it was, you know, it was pretty. It was very simple, and it just said, "Hey, don't forget, you know, you got to make sure you drink electrolytes, et cetera, et cetera, right?" And eight, eight to ten cups. Is that what it is? Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially in this heat, you have to. And you know, I I just found it. I don't know, ironic, if you will, that we've been talking about, you know, uh, Governor Abbott in Texas who banned water breaks and, and people are literally dying as, as a result. And, and here you guys are reminding people to stop and take water breaks. You know, Well, they're all camels in Texas, so they can just store it for infinite <laughs> <laughs> number of days. I know that was whoever heard of telling someone they can't take a water break. I mean, how how are you still? hold your position after making that policy recommendation i don't know i actually i actually read something that the uh biden administration was thinking about actually trying to supersede that as a matter of public safety yeah to say that you know you have to provide as at a bare minimum just like you know bare minimum of uh wages for example uh, federal you know minimum wage that you have to provide people with water breaks it, it's just it's it's amazing to me um that they would ban that but you know kudos to you guys for you know, for getting the word out there and making sure that people remember to hydrate. Yeah, and when it's 95 degrees, it's inhumane not to take yeah. water breaks. I have been driving around the Midwest for the past couple of weeks, Phil. Sticky. It's been, first of all, it's been really, really <laughs> tough. Yeah. A lot of, lot of driving, a lot of, lot of windshield time. And, and But you know what I've seen everywhere I went? I was in uh, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, back to Chicago. You know what I've seen? What's that? Construction. Beautiful. Lots and lots of construction. Roads, bridges, you name it. I mean, solar, uh, wind farms, uh, complete, you know, uh, dirt being moved to build, um, you know, uh, I don't know what they were, probably, uh, I know there were some hospitals and factories and things like that, but just a ton of road work. Um, So... You know, that is uh, music to our ears. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's a fantastic thing. So don't complain about traffic. It's all good for jobs. Hey, listen, we got to uh, take a quick we break. We got a guest coming up. Yeah, and uh, Brendan Bourne. Sounds like a like a movie star, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, there is a famous uh, surname of, of Bourne, but no relation, <laughs> as we had to remind you. <laughs> he spells it different. <laughs> but, you know, we want to talk about, you know, the future of labor and, and, and start to, you know, to have some young kids not only get into the trades, et cetera, but also who's going to be running labor in, in the future, right? And, and so we, we need to, to get our ducks in a row on, on that, too, and make sure that our next uh, round of leaders are smart and young and progressive and get it and, you know, willing to push the envelope and fight for what's right, et cetera. So um, we'll be right back. Uh, right here on the Workers' Mic, 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. 
Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Phil. Today, we have an interesting guest, a little bit of a departure, yeah? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, and uh, I want to introduce everyone to a young man named Brendan Bourne. And that is a, not a fake name, is it, Brendan? It's not. Brendan, tell us who you are. I'm an incoming junior, I guess a rising junior, at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. What brings you to the workers' mic? How did you, uh, you get interested in this? Well, sophomore year of high school, my U.S. history teacher, I took AP U.S. history, which advanced placement courses are oriented more like college courses, where you're formulating and creating arguments and learning how to write, read, formulate an opinion. You're smart is what you're saying. I guess. Yeah. Smarter than us. Yeah, I didn't get to that AP yeah. portion well, of that. Yeah. That's a low bar, smarter than us, but still, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you took a class, right? You got interested right. in labor. But let's, let's back up a second. You are the son of a very popular uh, federal mediator here in the Midwest named Dave Bourne, correct? That is correct. Yep. So you have had the, obviously, the what I would consider the luxury of being raised around, uh, actually, both of your parents are mediators, correct? Yes. Yeah. Both federal, both federal mediators, right? Yes. Yeah. And so raised around labor, right? A federal mediator comes in and they mm-hmm. help uh, try and resolve disputes. Um, sometimes they start from the beginning. Sometimes they just come in at the end. Uh, but that's their job. Uh, they're neutral, right? Yes. Were they judges before? Uh, neither of them were. Well, actually, both of them worked for the NLRB, actually. I believe my dad was a hearing officer. I don't know exactly what my mom did, but... I don't believe either of them were ever judges for the NLRB. Well, your dad was a Teamster business agent, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, he was. Yeah, oh. back in the day. So so you have this pedigree, right? And so yes. you're so, sort of built in. Um, but you decide that you're going to uh, pick labor, right? Yes. The union side, right? The working side, the, the people side, if you will, right? People always say, like, I always hear people go like, hey, I'm a, I'm a labor attorney. Like, no, you're not. You're an anti-labor attorney, right? <laughs> yeah. These management lawyers. Like, oh, I'm a yeah. labor u- lawyer. No, what, no, no. What you're... percentage of attorneys who call themselves labor attorneys are actually pro-union attorneys? Like 3%. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We're, we're certainly in the minority. Yes. Uh, which is why I think, and, and to be blunt with you, part of the reason that, that uh, I want to have Brendan on the show is, you know, we we don't really get a perspective of a 19-year-old you know, that has any inkling about labor, yep. right? And, and I thought that this was a, a unique opportunity to hear what somebody like Brendan has to say, so I'll, I'll shut up and actually let him talk, because I have a, tenden- to hear it, I have yeah. a tendency to talk over everybody. T- um, tell us, I'm curious, Yeah, you know, we hear so much right now in mainstream media, in podcasts, oh, this is the one of the greatest times ever for labor movement. More and more young people are seeing the, the obvious advantages of joining a union, and what is that what you're seeing on campus is that a prevailing sentiment like is is that real <laughs> it's definitely what i'm seeing on campus among people who are interested in that definitely people who work at starbucks who work at some of these other industries where you're starting to see more of an effort to organize those places but in kind of segments and elements where you kind of see people removed from it you really see i guess a sense of apathy where people aren't aware of it and they don't know about it but when you talk to them about it regardless of who they are they say oh yeah that's a great thing being a member of a union's a great thing so let me ask you this you, you said people are are apathetic or maybe they just don't know about it and i think you're right when you actually explain to them and and, and talk about what a union actually does 
you know, it's hard. You're hard pressed to to not agree with that concept, right? Um, but you know, I think you and I were talking earlier. How do you, if you, if you don't know, you don't know, right? And they don't teach labor courses anymore, right? I mean, where where do you learn about? Pretty rare, it? yeah, right. Where do where do you learn about it? Like, did you said you His had school. an AP? Yeah, in your school they did, right? Uh, but you had to take an AP class to do that. Uh, labor labor courses are not in high schools anymore, right? Right, they're not, and even barely colleges. Yeah, I right. Mean, it's DePaul and champagne i mean right have like the the two right. most high highest profile labor yeah. studies programs and yeah that's about it so what so what made you decide to to do this like to get on this side of of things and it seems like you know you're young but you already sort of have your career uh career goal set like what made you decide to do that so it's actually interesting because back in that history class we were assigned to do a debate on the business leaders, the robber barons, or captains of industry was the debate. And I was on the side of calling them the robber barons, so I was on the more labor side. And I started asking my dad about, you know, what had gone on and the history aspect. And I was very fascinated by it, and I started to research it more. And then going to U of I, obviously they have the labor and employment relations school there, and I intend to minor in the global labor studies minor, and I took a labor history course this last semester, and uh-huh. that was very fascinating, and I'm hooked. I, I love it. That's good. Was it Bob Bruno's class? It was uh, Augustus Wood okay. was the professor. He's actually the former head of the graduate employees organization there. Oh, cool. Super cool. And you plan on, what, having a, a radio show? Yes. That's... Professor Wood and I have talked about that. I love it. What's going to be the topic of the show? Labor? So definitely labor. I love it. So tell tell us a little bit more. I, I know you said like you get involved in local politics, and you know, <laughs> which uh, I know you live in New was it New Lenox? New Lenox, yeah. yes. So if you had your druthers, what what would you do? Would you uh, take this into grad school? Would you go to law school? Like what? what a, what's your goal? I guess is is that my question? I want to be a labor side lawyer, so oh. definitely going to law school okay. after I get my undergraduate. Really? Yes. Give them some advice. Um, when in doubt, look about. Uh, always pick C. Um, let's see. Uh, $100 goes a long way. There you go. <laughs> Zero advice. <laughs> Try hard. But, you know, we've been talking about this, that these big firms, right, they'll come to the schools and they'll solicit people. And, you know, they go, like, oh, you know, come join our firm and, you know, we'll pay you a quarter million dollars and a signing bonus. And then you have, you know, unions like, hey, come work for us and we'll pay you 50 grand a year and we're going to work you 80, 90, 100 hours <laughs> because and you're lucky to be here. You know, yeah, we, we we don't do enough in labor, in my opinion, to go out and get this side of our house in order. And, you know, you see the a lot. I think some of the more progressive unions here, you know, hiring in-house attorneys, right? I was one of them. Um, you know, we're, we're smarter here, I think, in Chicago. We yeah. have more resources, and we're, I think we're a little bit more progressive. Our, our labor leaders here are, are certainly that. But, I, you know, I, I tell people or, or anybody that listens, like, you got to go to these school fairs, right? You have to go to these colleges, and you have to explain, hey, this is who we are, and this is what we do, and here's why this would be a great career. Like, what do you think about that, Brendan? Are we, are we, is, are we as labor falling down in that? regard i think labor would benefit greatly from definitely reaching out to students in college as well as high school and going to college fairs at the high schools and then career field career fairs on college campuses 
to recruit members, to recruit people for union leadership, whether it's in-house counsel, yeah. whether it's a business agent, to definitely expand their ranks. And I think that makes sense. You know, we, we've been concentrating so, so, you know, hard on the show of getting, you know, uh, workers, yeah, yeah, but workers and high school kids and, you know, into the trades that we often, I think, forget about the fact that somebody needs to run the business of the union. Yep. Right? I mean, Phil, you're a communications director for 50,000 members. That's right. It's, it's not a small world, Mm-mm. right? Covering how many states? Three and a half. I mean, that's, you know, that that's a big deal. It's a very important job. I'm a big big deal. You are a big deal. Thank yeah. you. And you get paid. I tell myself that every you, night. You get paid an amazing amount of money. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, but you're right. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, mean, but you you think that that would be, Brendan, you think that would be helpful if the unions, besides saying, hey, come to the trades, some of the union leaders or attorneys or business agents said, hey, hey this is what a career looks like working for a union, right? Absolutely. Th- okay. And, and I think I think that's right. And I think that we, we in labor, if you're listening, need to do a better job of that because, you know, I, I just, you know, I talked to somebody. I don't know, the other day in a University of Chicago grad. And she said, I'm going to go work for labor. Like, why could you be the first one? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it's interesting um, because we fall into it, right? Yeah. Phil, I mean, it's like, you know, I was born in a labor family. Like, I believe in this. It's just sort of my calling in life, I I think. And, you know, Brendan, like, you come from a a labor family, if you will, even though it's quasi neutral. But, you know, you've been exposed to it. Not a lot of other people are. Yeah. Right? right. And they hear the word union, like, oh, you know, hard hats, right? Uh, shovels, you know, wh- whatever it is, I think. Right. They, they don't realize that, you know, the unions are multi billion dollar organizations, right, Phil? It's huge. And we have doctor's offices, you know, we have pensions, we have health insurance, we have credit unions. I mean, you know, the world's your oyster. Yeah. Somebody has to run this. And it's not easy, by the way. No, uh, and you know, it's, especially when you're just coming up from the trades and put in that position of like, yeah, you need people. Yeah. I, I think it's great, and and it seems like you know, speaking for my union, there's such a focus on recruiting new members right out of high school. Yep, because hey, hey, it, it is. It, it's a very effective message to say, look, if college isn't for you, you should really consider a career in the trades. You'll make a great salary, great benefits, you know, outstanding retirement, but. There's plenty of people who've graduated college who are probably would be interested in joining the trades and like yeah and, and going there and recruiting them because I think a lot of people go to college and they get their degree whatever it is in if it's a liberal arts degree it, 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 the job that you're looking at when you're you know checking out the recruiting boards and everything like may not exactly align with what you're looking to do as a career so and it, may, and it may not pay that well right you know, but yeah that's a big one of the big uh, question marks there as well but um, I, I know people there's there's you know, at my union, at um, my cousins and electricians, like, there's a lot of people with college degrees. They're like, you know what? I think I'm going to – I know I spent a lot of money on college, but I, I'll pay off my debts. I'll get a career in the trades, and yep. that's going to be a really good career for me. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan, what do you think about uh, our – meaning labor's use of social media? I think it really varies from union to union, but I feel that unions use social media when they're building up to – a contract campaign or a strike like the Teamsters right now that UPS contract is expiring July 31st and there's a new Instagram post by every local every day right about the contract campaign and about the contract and the potential for a strike but where I think unions could benefit from using social media more is definitely in recruitment of new members definitely selling the benefits package especially 
And that's where something differs when you're recruiting people out of college as well, is you sell the benefits package, the health insurance, sure. the retirement plan. Yeah. What about getting people like just used to the word union again, right? Because for such a long time, we were our own best kept secret. And, you know, I'm looking to people, your, I hate to say it, but people your age, you know, our Da Vinci Street crew and, and you know, the younger generation to, to, I hate to say it, but to teach labor moving forward how to use social media effectively. And, how, you know, they, they, these are tools and we need to do a better job of using them. What do you think, brother? I think that's great. I think that's said perfectly where the more labor can kind of be out there on yeah. social media, the more they can be visible in the community, recruit new members, and even just kind of, I guess, get people comfortable saying union again. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's funny you mention that. I spoke to uh, a woman from New York who works for a PR agency who was pitching stories about uh, how unions are utilizing TikTok as a recruitment tool yeah and i put her in touch with a member of ours who's you know got a pretty uh active following on his tiktok uh-huh. and she's pitching that story and I, we're, we haven't landed one quite yet but like she's going national with it because yeah it, it is it's huge i mean that's you got to go where the people are and that's where the young people are and i think you know brendan like somebody like you you, you can come at it from that perspective and you say you want to be a lawyer and i think i think that's that's great but you can also say to you know your professors and whoever else will listen it's like hey why don't we have a communications major with a minor in labor yep. right or right. understand how to talk to labor or to workers or to unions or whatever in in communications world um you know a class on social media a class on labor labor history I and mean, these are things that need to start to come back because we we have been dumbed down as a society by i think the robber barons if you will right right i agree with that term um you know the the media barons and people that own everything and they don't want us to to think independently or you know uh intellectually about our own working lives they want us to be constant you know they want us to concentrate on you know the the, the reality star of the day and, and you know just to distract us with nonsense and so you know i think it's incumbent upon people like yourself no pressure brendan <laughs> i mean you i'm actually talking about you yeah, so you, you, specifically. Yeah, you specifically to take care of the rest of the labor movement so i appreciate you doing that thank you <laughs> we're in good hands i can tell we are in good hands anything you want to add are you going to open up a do you have a, any websites you want to plug or, or social media so if anyone wants to follow me specifically on social media where I speak about labor and stuff like that, as well as just give advice, my Instagram is Born Illinois. And then if anyone wants to follow the labor content I create, it's called Labor Media. The Instagram handle is Labor Media Official. Same with YouTube. And then if any unions would like to contact me, they can just follow me on Instagram and reach out to me through Instagram, if they want to contact me for social media services, if they want help growing their social media page. And we'll just take a, what do we take, a third of that? Yeah. Phil? Yep. Yeah. Seems pretty fair. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, it's been uh, it's been really cool talking to you. I appreciate your coming down here. And, yeah, good and ideas. I, yeah, I wish you well on the rest of your college career and your ideas and your social media. And if you ever need any help, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're just a call away. Um, you've been listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN with Brendan Bourne. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Phil. That was interesting, yeah? Very interesting. Yeah. It's, Bright it's, young man. It's, it's nice to see people that, that get it at an early age. Um, so let's, uh, let, let, let's move topics. Um, let's talk about the Teamsters. Yeah. Right? I this mean, was earth-shattering. Historic. Yeah. And they killed it. Yeah. I mean, they, that that leading up to this agreement, I mean, that story was headlines in every publication across the country. Everyone's saying, like, oh, this is – everyone's talking about the Hollywood strike. This is the next strike that's going to upend our economy. I mean, there was arguably greater implications if the teamsters were going on strike for, you know, the health of the economy. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to get that deal done in the waning hours is huge. Yeah, I think uh – you know, uh, and I'm going to give uh, read some of it in in a second. But you know, kudos to the Teamsters for for not blinking. Yeah, right? and and they really, you know, I I think they had they were positioned very very well. They did their homework. They understood, you know, w- what their leverage points were. Yeah, they did the practice pickets. Yep. I mean, those were fantastic. What a great idea! Practice, practice pickets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just super smart to show people like, hey, uh, we we're organized. We're together. You know, and this is what's coming your way and, and showed UPS that and, and quite frankly, the rest of the economy. And I think that you, I, I'm sure that Wall Street and uh, other entities put pressure on UPS to settle this thing because it really would have just what did they one out of every four. I'm, I'm sure there was political pressure as well. You would think so. Absolutely. Yeah. And at least it didn't go the other way, you know, for a change, which just didn't like ask the union to bend. Right. Because right. uh, the, their general president, O'Brien. Um, said he's a bulldog. He certainly is. Yeah. He, I think I said this. He's like you know where I come from in Boston. If two people are having a fight and you don't have anything to do with it, keep walking. Yeah, and uh, that was his message to the White House. So look, I, I'm going to just tick off a, a few of the things that the Teamsters achieved. They got an immediate two dollar and seventy five cent an hour raise in 2023. Yeah, immediate. We, and we should just to give quick background here. I know we've talked about this before, but yeah, the Teamsters represent. 350,000 right. UPS employees. Yes. And they just, after a very contentious negotiation, uh, were able to settle or come to an agreement. It hasn't been ratified yet, but it looks like yes. uh, it's going to go through. And um, so that's what we're discussing. I think that they're meeting uh, the, 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 I'm not sure how the Teamsters do it, but I think like they're, et cetera, they're, whoever, their they're negotiating committee meets first and says, okay, we're going to recommend this deal. And then the members uh, vote on the contract. Yeah. So for all of you that think that unions just come to an agreement with management and then comes back to the membership and says, hey, everybody, congratulations, here's your contract. It's not that. It's an actual democratic process. They get to vote on it. That's right. But it sounds like the votes are there that, um, I mean, I I don't know how they couldn't be considering this list that you're reading off here. I mean, it's incredible what they got. But it's a democratic process. I mean, they get to vote on the contract. Yes. So, and they also probably, they have representatives at the table, you know, making sure that their wants and needs are addressed. Yep. So $2.75 right out of the gate. And that's a $5,000 plus base rate adjustment. And it's not just obviously one shot. It's forever, right? Because you just increase your wages by that dollar amount. And that doesn't include overtime. So people working overtime, that could mean an extra seven grand a year, which is mortgage payments and food and childcare. And I mean, just 
that's a lot of money. Uh, I think it was seven fifty over the life of the contract, which is a, a five year deal. I think is that's what the wages were. That's a big hike. It's a giant number. Um, the part timers, uh, you know, Teamsters have a lot of part timers. They went to immediately twenty one dollars an hour as a base. So I was reading, you know, in the weeks up to it, that there were people that were working part time for Teamsters for you know ten twenty years and they were making sixteen seventeen bucks an hour. Boom! Now they're now the base is twenty one. Um, so I thought that was great. They would um, the general wage increases for part time will be double the amount obtained in the previous contract. So that you're going to see part timers now actually make some real money. They have much more of a seat at the table than it sounds like they had in the past. Where think, like, uh, yeah, yeah, they were part timers are considered. Yeah, you're on the team, but you're second class, not anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think they had some tier issues in yeah, there. Yeah, you know, some tier payments and tier wages. Uh, I think those went away. Um, the wage increases for full time employees uh, will make the UPS teamsters the highest paid delivery drivers in the United States, uh, with an average top rate of forty nine dollars an hour. Forty nine dollars mm, an hour. That's a and don't include your pension, your health insurance, your time off, et cetera, et cetera. Forty nine bucks an hour on the check. That's a good solid. That's a great career. Yep, family sustaining. Absolutely. Um, they have uh, also created a, a, a guarantee, and I'm not sure how this works, but they're going to fill. I want to say it was something like seventy five hundred new full time positions and then there's twenty two thousand open positions, they're gonna fill them as well and give the part timers the opportunity to get those full time positions first. So I mean They're creating jobs. Yeah, the teams are yeah. literally creating they're jobs. They're creating jobs <laughs> through those negotiations. And yeah. you know, and look, I, you know, we, we we give all the credit to Teamsters, and, and probably to be honest with you, that's where it lies. But you know, UPS was also smart enough to realize that, that they're in a no-win situation, and maybe yeah. there was some altruism there. That I'm hoping that somebody on UPS's side said, "What's the matter with creating good, you know, middle-class jobs?" Right? Yeah. Like, that's a good. Like, if you're if you're UPS, look, I don't use FedEx. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I use UPS. Me too. Right. Because I know they're a good union shop. I know they pay their now pay their people uh, well. Um, but I will tell you this, and that is, hey, Amazon, right? Guess pay attention. Yeah, guess what's coming your way? Yeah. It's the Teamsters. Because they, they're the, the largest client for UPS of any company in the world. It's Amazon. They do move more packages, obviously. It has yeah, to be, right? goes without saying. I think UPS is the biggest uh, shipper in the world. They do basically one quarter of all package deliveries in right. the country, right. and it's, tw- it's that's 20 million packages a day. That's amazing. 20 million a day. <laughs> oh, my god! So, yeah, when people are like, oh, is this going to do the company's bottom line? UPS is okay. Yeah, I think they're doing fine. There's, there's a lot of money there. Yeah, and I'm sure they're making money from Amazon. But, you yeah. know, the, that, the fact that the Teamsters now have their eye on Amazon, I think, is a good thing. I'm telling you right now that, you know, the Amazon labor union from Staten Island, the, this nascent first first one, and kudos to them for being the first one, you should pick up the phone and call the Teamsters. Yeah. You should merge immediately with the Teamsters because the Teamsters have the muscle. Yeah, they, they have do. the bandwidth. They have the, the history. They've been around over 100 years. They get it. And they're strong. And, you know, you by yourself, Amazon Labor Union at, in Staten Island, are going to have a hard time forcing Amazon even getting to the bargaining table. Yeah. Right? But the Teamsters have the muscle to what's do it. it uh, you've been in, 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 in the room for bargaining negotiations. Yeah. What's it like? How intense does it get? 
Um, does it get pretty acrimonious with both sides? Um, I mean, I'm sure there's different strategies, but give <laughs> give the listeners a little glimpse of what those can be like. Yeah, it can it can be extremely cordial yeah. and cooperative uh, if both sides are are being kind of honest brokers and and want to get to the middle and come in not too far apart. Or it can be terribly, terribly acrimonious. Yes, and you know I have ever uh, pounded the table with your fists and walked out. Yeah. I have literally <laughs> pounded my fist. I've yelled. I've picked up my stuff and laughed. I've had that done to me. Yeah. I had a proposal. I ran it across the table, and I had a management attorney just scribble on my proposal, NFW. <laughs> which I'm sure I think you I know. could, yes. Yeah, and so I literally took my pen, and I just crossed <laughs> off the N, and I gave it back to him. And, you know, like, when you're doing stuff like that, you're not you're just... You're getting nowhere. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and imagine also this, Phil, you know, if we're talking about bargaining for a second, you're organizing, right? And as part of your organizing drive, you know, you're, you're obviously selling the union and why it's a good thing, et cetera. But simultaneously, you know, in typical organizing, you're also exposing, you know, what management is is perhaps not doing well. Yeah. Right? And how, uh, you know, you guys should come together and you're exposing lots of different things about management or the company or the municipality or whatever it is. And, you know, you're, you're, you're slugging it out, right? Yep. They're telling you, you know, they're telling them, uh, the employees don't join the union, the union's this, this, and this. And you're telling them, you know, Hey, join the union, your employers, this, this, and this. And so like a few times, like I tried to vote the mayor out of a town or something like that. <laughs> and then I would go extreme into measures. Yeah. Yes. Then I would go into negotiations. I, I would lose by the way. Yeah. I go into negotiations like, Oh, Good to see you, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Sorry, I just spent the last six months trying to vote you out. <laughs> oh, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah you know, that's just uh, yeah, the so, heat of the battle. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly right. And those that can get over things like that, uh, you know, that can put their egos aside, it, yeah. it's fine. But yeah, negotiations are not easy. And, you know, speaking of negotiations, you know who's not negotiating? The writers. And the screenwriters. Like, literally, not at the table. They're not even in How the you, same... Stratosphere, yeah. But, but Phil, how do you resolve a strike if you're not meeting to resolve the strike? Yeah, that's a very good question. And yeah. you know, and and you know, look, the Teamsters, right? They, they got it. They were going to hurt uh, UPS economically. Uh, quite frankly, the, the, the United States would have suffered as well. Uh, but yeah. the actors, seven the billion writers, dollars a day. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah it was what the estimate was. Yeah, but the actors, right? Um, and the, the the writers, they're going up against. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are, but trillion, bazillion, gazillionaires, right? Yeah, right. How, how do you how do you shut that down? How do you force that to the table? Yeah, it's it's definitely David versus Goliath here, right? Um, and you see now, and and we talked about this, and, and kudos to The Rock, right? What's his name? Dwayne and Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne right. Johnson. The Rock. He gave a check of what what they said was seven figures, and I don't know what the dollar amount was, but to, I guess for lack of a better word, a strike fund? Yes. Was that for SAG, or was that for the writers? I think it was for SAG. Yeah, for SAG, yeah. Um, because I think that's what he is a member of. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a fantastic thing. Yeah, I don't think thing. he's written many screenplays, The Rock. No, I mean, it's a judge book by his cover, but... <laughs> you know what? I think he's much bigger than you. Careful. Let's, let's not badmouth The Rock, all right? He's, yeah. uh, it, then again, Sylvester, yeah. Sylvester Stallone's written like four, including an Oscar-nominated one, so... <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But what I think we've been talking about this, and that is... You know, hey, uh, hey, hey, Tom Cruise or hey, Jason Bourne, you know, pick up the phone or, or pick up your checkbook, I should say, and, and write a check 
And so I have an idea. Yeah. So. Well, well, you and you heard Drew Carey's doing the uh, lunches for everyone at Bob's Big Boy. I did not know that. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. Anyone who carries a SAG card automatically gets a free meal at any Bob's Big Boy in Los Angeles, and that's and it's not one time. It's because I was reading an article about this. This one uh, out of work actor said, like, I, I go to Bob's Big Boy literally every day for lunch. Andrew Carey. That can't be good for you. <laughs> Probably not, but hey, better than uh, eating beans out of a can. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But so I have an idea. Okay, Here, and here's my idea. Hear me out and tell me what you think about this idea. It, it's similar to what the, a lot of unions have, which is a strike fund, right? Yep. And we have strike pay. Um, but suppose labor, um, together with I don't know some some altruistic uh, billionaires like. Steven Spielberg. I'm just throwing that out. Mr. Spielberg um, created what I would consider what I would call a forever fund. And that is we just dump a ton of money into this forever fund. It earns interest. We invest the money, et cetera. And then anybody that's out on strike, whether it's SAG or whether it's, you know, three people at a machine shop can dip into this fund and use it to offset their wages Um so the company can't starve them out because that's what the companies are trying to do with the writers. They're trying to starve them out. Yes. Right. Same with the actors. They're trying to starve them out. That's why they're not meeting. Suppose you age old tactic. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. Right. Suppose, though, that you had a fund that paid you um, while you were not. Uh, you know, there's a misconception, by the way, that people think you go on strike, you get unemployment. You don't. Yeah. You just don't. Right. right? If they lock you out, you get unemployment. But if you go on strike, you don't get unemployment. No. Right. Now, maybe if we change that, that would help. But you suppose there was a fund, right? And by the way, where are, uh, you know, where are the rest of the actors? Where's the, you know, does Dwayne Johnson the only one? I mean, the, and I'm sure that the, yes. we got to we got to figure out who's who's done some some good things. But I know that there are, you know, actors and actresses and directors and very 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 wealthy people that could kick in ten million bucks without having it dent without even noticing it right? correct yeah so suppose you did that and suppose you created like this it. fund thank you um hey what if we one upped it you know who's looking to spend their money who the saudis oh the saudis <laughs> wait a second <laughs> what better way to build goodwill than having the saudi sovereign wealth fund dump millions of dollars to support working actors and screenwriters hey hey, listen money's money money's money man but it's called the forever fund and right. i want that major league baseball players and i want the nfl players and i want basketball players and i want famous actors and you know famous people and people that have a ton of money you know give a bunch of money to this thing and even up the playing field a little bit right because you know these writers are going to starve are they not Phil, yes, you were saying like how oh, much yeah. were they making? Hold on, hold on. I got uh, I read this in uh, New York Mag. This is this is someone who co-created a show on Netflix. Uh, but the residuals I've gotten from the show are to the right of the decimal point, twenty-seven cents, eighty-nine cents. Sometimes I save them up uh, until they amount to fifteen or twenty dollars. Then I'll take myself out and buy a sandwich. Oh my god! I guess they all come in a green envelope, and they're like back in the day when you got a green envelope, that was like, oh cool, I can pay off my mortgage this month. Right now, you can buy a sandwich. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's absolutely embarrassing. Yeah, look, start the forever fund. Maybe we'll start it right here in uh, WGN. See, I'm sure WGN will kick in a couple mil, don't you think? Easy, right? I mean, we they're are. The, we're, Where's we're, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, we're the, we're the number one show. Um, but listen, we'll take a quick break and then we're going to wrap things up we'll talk about um i want to talk about the uh, labor peace deal that uh this the city of uh chicago just uh came up with and uh for the democratic national convention so we will be right back with more of the workers mic right here on 720 wgn 
You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Still sitting here with me is Phil. Um, interesting discussion, Phil. I think uh, we have solved Great lots, discussion. Of, yeah, lots of labor's problems uh, with the Forever Fund. Um, it's going to be huge. Look, it's going to be enormous. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk real quick. I want in. <laughs> so do I. That's my guy. <laughs> you, can, you can have in. You can make a donation. How about that? Um, let's talk real quick. The uh, The Democratic National Convention is coming to Chicago. It is. And Is it July next year? I don't know. Fall? Sometime you, around then. We yeah. should probably know this, but you know, yeah. we'll deal with that next year. Um, so they negotiated with McCormick Place, which is where all the conventions are, yep. what's called the Labor Peace Agreement. Um, what's that, Phil? Explain that is uh, essentially a an agreement where the convention will be staffed and any infrastructure built by unions, yep. and in exchange, there will be no pickets or striking around the site that would give the DNC a black eye. So no, Pr- pretty close. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that, no, no work stoppages. No work stoppages, and it's similar to what we in the construction industry call a project labor agreement. Um, but a labor peace agreement, you know, is a, is a smart move. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to the folks that put this thing together, you know, including the mayor of Chicago. The governor. Uh, the governor. And then, you know, you have the Chicago Federation of Labor mm-hmm. uh, with Mr. Bob Ryder, who's been on our show many times, a great friend of the show and just a, a great labor leader. And then you had your the unions, right? Yep. And that, the carpenters are part of this. Carpenters thing. are part of it as well. Yep. Um, so so basically exactly what that does is, is exactly what you said. It, it makes sure that this thing is going to go off without a hitch. Yes. And it also then simultaneously guarantees good union jobs for the duration of that project. And it's not just the convention itself. It's all the build up to it. Yep. Right. It's all the takedown afterwards. It's the hotels. It's, you know, everything that's pertinent to this thing. And I, I don't know what the number is, but we'll, we'll drill down and get the number. But it's going to pump. You know, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, I think into, like a couple hundred million is the estimate. Is that what it is? Yeah, and I, I mean, all eyes are going to be on Chicago. This is yep. going to be the epicenter of the uh, the political movement next year, and we want to showcase the incredible work that union labor does. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity to show the world what and what sh- we're capable of. And yeah, right. And we always say this, right? Sh- you know, union labor built this city, right? You look behind us, and it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, you know, the city itself is, is fantastic, or at least parts of Especially it are. Especially <laughs> like a beautiful day like today. Yeah, for sure. God, you see it in but, all its glory. Yeah. So do you think that the uh, Re- Republican National Convention is going to have a labor peace deal? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with. No. I wouldn't bet on it. I'm gonna go I with no. Bet on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a, 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 an, a un peace deal. Yeah, no water breaks. <laughs> no water breaks for you. <laughs> Greg Abbott's gonna go like, okay. And I, I'm, today, my platform is everybody sit down. No water breaks. <laughs> no bathroom breaks either. Yeah. Everyone gets a stadium buddy. <laughs> uh, a stadium buddy. That's a thing. Yeah. Oh, God. Tie it to your leg. Not that I've ever used it. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> w- with that, stadium buddy. I love that. I wish I invented that. Um, we we got we to gotta go. Uh, it's been really interesting today. Thank you so much for, for listening and, and for our millions of listeners out there. We, we appreciate your support and the constant you know, uh, comments. That's really helpful to us, and, and it means a lot to us. Keep spreading um, the good word. Yeah, yeah. And, Phil, I appreciate your sitting in. Um, we'll see more of you soon. I'm going to be headed out of town. Uh, for for a few weeks, so hopefully we'll see more of you. Um, and thanks for sitting in for Ed. And we will be back next week right here on uh, the Workers Mike seven twenty WGN. The preceding episode of the Workers Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial. 
Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.